Holy Spirit. And, and so we talked about that, that it's different. And then how would we know? If Jesus promised a gift of the Holy Spirit, that he was going to baptize uh, the, the church with, with uh, Holy Spirit and fire, it says, how would they know? Well, there's a pattern that we follow. We looked at five different cases in Scripture, three that were very specific, one kind of alluded, and then one is inferred with Paul that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. doesn't say that he spoke in tongues, but it, uh, we know that later in other writings of his that he spoke in tongues and uh, believed that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. And so I just want to commend you, many of you, you jumped in to the Father's arms and He caught you, and many of you were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or were refilled a few weeks ago. And I just want to challenge us that when that happens, a couple things can happen inside of our spirits. One, we can kind of doubt. We can say, okay, now what just happened, right? Uh, you know, what's going on? This is new. It's unfamiliar territory. And uh, you can be self-conscious. And I just want to say it's okay because being filled with the Spirit, there is a measure of vulnerability that is required, that we have to, be, we have to trust God and uh, we have to know that He's at work. When it comes to fear and doubt as well, a verse came to my mind this week as I was just praying about that and just you know, know knowing that many of you were filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we have to resist the devil, James 4, 7. When we resist the devil, the promise is, is that he will flee. And so when the enemy sneaks in and tries to convince you otherwise or question your experience or what the Word of God says, we say, no, get thee behind me, Satan. And, uh, and, and that's important for us to realize that we have the authority to do that. Do you believe that? It's so true. Amen. So I've got a follow-up question uh, from, that, from our series or from our, uh, our message a couple weeks ago. How do you stay full of the Holy Spirit? If you're speaking in tongues, I believe that that is a new standard feature for your spiritual walk. And I want to encourage you that for those that were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and uh, experienced that, that there is, of course, a public uh, speaking in tongues where it requires interpretation. But what we're talking about is more of a private, personal thing. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says that when we speak in an unknown language, it edifies, our, it edifies us, it builds us up, and we need to be filled on a daily basis, every day. And every day, it expresses our worship. We see that in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 10. That that when we speak in an unknown tongue, when when we worship the Lord in that way, it's expressing great and awesome worship. The second thing that when we pray in the Spirit, it also is a sign of intercession. How many of you have ever thought, man, I don't know how to pray in a circumstance? You know, you're facing something in your life and, or maybe something uh, of someone else. And you're saying, boy, I don't know how to pray. Well, when you pray in the Spirit, you are interceding God's perfect will. Romans 8, 26 and 27 talks about this tension between the natural and the supernatural in our lives. And then the third thing, that every day we need confidence to be able to face what God sends our way. And in Jude 20, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit and having confidence, boldness to do what God has called us. So it's to us, for us, but it's also the Holy Spirit works through us for someone else. And that's the witnessing 
factor as well. And many times when you're filled with the Spirit, there's a spiritual appetite that increases. And I want to foster that and encourage that. Don't, don't, uh, don't run from that or don't hide that. And then also there's an increased idea that, boy, I need to share my faith. And uh, you know what's great about being filled with the Spirit? Is that the Spirit will give you the words to say at the right moment when, it, when God wants you to share. And uh, the last, uh, well, a couple other things about this. And uh, I want to take some time on this because I, I want to make sure that, um, that we understand what, what we're talking about. The, the, when we're filled with the Spirit, it's almost like, um, you know, there's you know, heavenly rain coming down into our lives. And, uh, but I don't want us to be like a pond, okay, where we just, you know, there's fresh water that comes in, but then it just sits there. Because what happens with a pond? That water just sticks, sits there, and if there's no movement, what happens? Starts to get stagnant, starts to stink, right? We need an outlet. We need to be more like a river or a stream or a bubbling brook where we have an outlet for the Spirit to be at work in our lives. And we want to expect that in our lives. And just a quick note, if you're struggling, uh, saying, boy, I'm frustrated or disappointed, or, boy, I was, I've been seeking this, this Holy Spirit, uh, there's a, a, a word I have for you, that God's Word is truer than our experiences. And I say that because sometimes if we're not, if we, you know, we read Scripture and, uh, and, and then our experience doesn't necessarily line up, we, we can trust God's Word more than our experience, but the seeking is what's important. And even the whole goal of being filled or full of the Holy Spirit is a hunger for God. And the greatest goal is in the seeking. There, there's nothing lost when you seek the Lord. And so I want to make sure that we keep that as a focus um, together, that it's about seeking the Lord and everything that he has for us. And, uh, and so that just wanted to kind of uh, to, to bring up some of those thoughts. And, uh, and I want us also just to be encouraging one another uh, in the gifts of the Spirit and letting God work in our lives. And, you know, we, we're going to talk about these things more than just in this series. Um, but today I uh, wanted to, to look at some of those key points. All right? Amen. Now for the message. You ready? <laughs> Supernatural God. I started the series of Supernatural God saying that I do not want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live my life and people to look at my life and say, boy, that, you know, Ben, he's, he's a pretty good guy. Check out what he did. No. I want my life to be marked by the Holy Spirit. And I am not okay with us as a church saying, okay, God is living in us. But then there's no noticeable difference when we live outside of these four walls. We serve a supernatural God. And our supernatural God wants to use us. He wants to use you. He desires the praise for what we do in our lives through Him. But if we never pray audacious courageous prayers, how could he answer our desire for him to move? 
And so I want to encourage us to think beyond our, our limits and beyond what, uh, what maybe our experience has been and to trust God that he desires to work in us even beyond maybe where we've been and then to embrace that and to say, okay, God, uh, I'm ready. Uh, use me. But it kind of begs the question, what kind of person does God use in supernatural ways? Have you ever wondered that? What does God desire for us in all of this? On an ongoing basis, what is God drawn to? And what should our response to him be? And that's what I want to kind of end our series on as a supernatural God, looking at this. And there was something that happened two weeks ago at our men's breakfast. Uh, Eric Efkin kind of shared his testimony about his experiencing the, uh, being filled with the Spirit uh, 10, 12 years ago. And his theme that he talked about was brokenness and surrender. And uh, it was interesting that in his life, you know, at that point in his life, uh, he, he was serving the Lord. He was a believer, <clears throat> a churchgoer. He was a giver. And in many ways, people would look and say, hey, you're doing everything right. But someone encouraged him, at least what I was hearing you say, someone said, you need more of God, and kind of pushed him out into the aisles, uh, headed to the altar, and God touched him in a powerful way, filled him with the Spirit, and God really worked in his life, but it came out of surrender and out of a brokenness. And I wonder, to this morning, how many of us, in an arrogant way, or not even thinking arrogantly, but you say, well, I'm satisfied with the amount of God that I have in my life. I'm okay. I have all that I want when it's concerning God. Now, I would say that probably most of us would never say that, right? We would never say, well, I don't, I've, got, I've got everything I need from God. Uh, there's not anything more that I could experience. But even if we don't say it, our lives reflect that certainly. Our actions don't line up saying, well, we want more. So what kind of people does God use? What is God drawn to? And the answer, I believe, is that God is drawn to hungry, broken, surrendered people. People that embrace their weaknesses. Now, if I was in charge, you know, if I was God, I'm not sure that's my mentality. At least from a human standpoint, we look at people, and we look for people that are full of ability, don't we, to lead? We look for people that are strong and courageous and, and mighty. But God is the opposite. Our supernatural God, he's looking to connect with our weakness, with our humanity. And that really struck a chord with me. And, uh, Eric, I haven't been able to get it off my mind. And so I went digging and saying, God, you know, and it, that really resonated with me that, yes, God responds to our humanity, our weakness. And I'm just wondering this morning, is there anyone here that has issues? <laughs> issues in your life? Things that just aren't quite right? Things that you wish were different? How many of you, uh, you know, come from a dysfunctional family? Yeah? We could all probably raise our hands because at some level, all of our families are weird. You know, I mean, 
my wife just pointed at me and said, she said, be careful. <laughs> I won't go there then. I'll just skip right over that in my notes, right? No, we're weird and we're all dysfunctional. We're all messed up. It, you know, it's interesting. You think about that. You know, you know, just think of the person in your life that kind of frustrates you the most. Maybe it's, you know, hopefully it's not your spouse, but it could be. Um, or maybe a, one of your kids, or maybe uh, a neighbor that just gets under your skin, or a coworker, right? And they might be a believer, they might love the Lord, but they just drive you nuts. Does that ever happen? Oh, man, they, does that ever happen? There are people in our lives, thank you, Ethan, in the back, there are people, family members probably, no, <laughs> just kidding, that, that drive us nuts. But you know what, I was just thinking, think about God. If you were in God's shoes... Just think about how patient he is. You know, he created us, and we're all fallen. We're all messed up, and he's so patient. He's so loving, and uh, the fact is is that we are dirt buckets, right? We talked about that in God's hands. And so anyway, as I dug into this idea of brokenness and weakness, and it's out of our weakness that the supernatural God has ability to work in our lives uh, there were two things that really stuck out in my, in my heart is I looked at the story of Moses. And that's where I want to look today. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We'll start there. And uh, if someone could uh, get me a drink of water, that would be awesome. My throat is really dry this morning for some reason. Thanks. Hey, Jess, I th- or uh, Ray, you can sit. Jeff, you got it? Thanks. All right. All right. How many have ever heard of Moses? All right. Moses in Exodus. <laughs> Born in a time in Israelites' history where the Israelites were oppressed, living in Egypt. Uh, the you know, Pharaoh was ruling. They were killing babies, all babies uh, two and under. And Moses was uh, you know, kind of saved by God's grace. His mother kind of protected him, put him in after he was... Uh, uh, born, hit him for a while, and then put him in a, a reed basket, slid him out into the into the Nile or into the uh, to the river. And Pharaoh's daughter picked him up and ended up being raised by Pharaoh's daughter, but with his Hebrew uh, mother and a neat story uh, there. But it's interesting that as he grew, he understood where his roots were, and uh, in. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. It says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, let me just stop here for a second. Moses, full of righteous indignation, okay? I mean, he, it was a, a righteous deal. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that a lot. Full of righteousness, saying, this is not right that our people, my people, he's saying, are being beat. He takes it into his own hands. And he becomes a murderer, has blood on his own hands. But then you fast forward just a few verses. Of course, we know that he flees. He gets out of there. But God doesn't just discount, okay, now that Moses has made a mistake, 
He doesn't let Moses just get away. He pursues Moses in a pretty cool way. He pursues him. Moses flees, but God pursues him. We also know that not only is he a murderer, but in Exodus chapter 6, verse 30, that Moses is a stutterer. He didn't speak very well. And, uh, it, but God chose Moses out of all, these, all, out of all the Israelites to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt back to the promised land. Now, that brings me to the first point that I think is so powerful for us to embrace in this. We understand in Scripture that God is attracted to our weakness. Moses, a stuttering murderer, he would have disqualified himself from being used by God. And how many of you, at times in your life, you say, man, I've done this or that, or boy, my background, I would disqualify myself. God could never use me. And, you know, it's so true. We think that. But instead, God is attracted to that weakness. When Adam and Eve, when they fell in the Garden of Eden, God pursued them in Genesis chapter 3. How about Rahab, the prostitute? We're going to talk about her in a bit. But she was a fallen uh, away from the Lord, but God used her in a powerful way. How about Noah? We think of Noah and Noah's ark, and boy, what a great guy. He was found drunk and naked, exposed, and, but God continued to use Noah. How about David, a murderer, an adulterer? Even Paul in the New Testament struggled with sin and uh, a thorn in his flesh, and we see in Romans. And then in, uh, or in, uh, in Romans, we see him struggling with sin. And then also in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, in fact, why don't we turn there? This is what uh, Paul, his strength, you say, well, man, how did, you know, if he struggled with this and he talks about a thorn in his, in his uh, flesh, we don't know what that is. People uh, speculate different things. But listen, it says three times I pleaded with the Lord, verse 8. Chapter 12, verse 8 in Second Corinthians. Three times I said, God, take this away from me. But Jesus said this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God is attracted to our weakness. And that is good news for you and for me. I want you to think about your life for a moment. And think about areas where you are weak or where that you lack strength. We must come to grips with our own weakness, with our own humanity, and come to God out of brokenness. So I don't care if you struggle with anger. I don't care if you've been divorced or if you have a trouble uh, giving love or receiving love. Maybe you struggle this morning with lust or maybe with money problems or trust issues or patience. It may be a physical uh, weakness in your body that you struggle with or family problems or abuse. Maybe you say, well, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. God could never use me. Well, the fact is, is no matter what your weakness is, no matter where you have fallen, no matter where you've struggled, God, he desires to use you, and he actually is drawn to your weakness because it's in our weakness that he is strong. You may disqualify yourself, second-guess yourself, but God wants to choose you. God chooses to work and cooperate with people 
that are broken, that are surrendered. And so the first point is that God is attracted to our weakness. The second thing, when we look at Moses' life, and if you uh, back in Exodus, look at chapter 3. This is short after you know, uh, Moses has fled and he's been gone for some time. And Moses is out and he's working in the fields uh, for his father-in-law. And let's just pick up in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of uh, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, if you've ever seen sheep, Sheep are kind of dirty animals, aren't they? They're kind of nasty. They kind of stink. And uh, can you just imagine taking you know, a group of, of sheep across a desert and how you know, dirty and disgusting and uh, you know, worn out uh, he would be? And so just imagine that. And then it says there is an angel of the Lord that appeared to Moses in a flame of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that... Though the bush was on fire, it did not burn, was not burned up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And then he says in verse 5, and this is so important, I want you to underline this in your Bible if, you're, if you do that. It says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moses, dirty, worn out, stinky, dusty, God says, take off your sandals. The second point when we consider a supernatural God and the influence in our lives is that we must honestly present ourselves to God. Moses exposes his worst. He's on the run in many ways, fleeing from God, and God is pursuing him. And God says, I want you to remove the veil on your side. Remove the pretense. Could it be that God wanted holy ground to come in contact with Moses' brokenness? An open vulnerability? God's holiness on one side coming together with raw humanity? Dirty, broken? Moses exposed his humanity his brokenness, and God used him mightily. Some some incredible ways, supernatural ways. And you know what's crazy? Is God wants to do that in our lives as well. If we come to him in brokenness, honestly before him and saying, God, this is who I am. This is where I struggle. This is my past, and I give it to you. Then God, he can do some incredible things through our lives. For us today, we must bring our lives to God with honesty. We bring our faults. We bring our shortcomings. We bring our past. We bring our issues, and we lay them at the altar, and we say, God, this is who I am. Use me. I'm available. Then our supernatural God 
has something to work with. Pretty cool. That's good news. Because if we had to clean ourselves up first, or if we had to attain our own righteousness, how many know that none of us would be eligible? Not one of us here. We're all fallen. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God, in His grace, He embraces our weakness, and He wants to use us in supernatural ways. So, this morning, how are you doing? When you look at your life, is there any supernatural activity happening around you and through you for others? A good barometer, perhaps, for us to consider is to ask ourselves, how hungry are you to change? Because when we embrace our weakness and we come to God, He will often cause us to change. A great story uh, in the Old Testament is Jacob. His name meant deceiver, right? And we know that Jacob wrestled with God at Bethel. And, uh, and, he, and what's great is that God changed his name and gave him a new outlook on life. But what happened first? What did Jacob have to do? He had to come to grips with who he was. He had to admit, he said, I am Jacob deceiver before God could change and use him. How hungry are you to change? The answer will determine your activity with a supernatural God. Are you hungry to change? Are you tired of hiding? Are you tired of pretending? Are you empty or dry? And you look at your life and you say, man, you know, it's nice that we're talking about a supernatural God, we, this series. But, but when I look at my life and in and, and my experience, I have very little to show God moving in my life. If that's the case, God wants to get a hold of you. And he wants to get a hold of me. The reality is that nothing is hidden from God. There is nothing hidden from God. You can't run from God. But the cool thing is, is that you're in good company. If you look at your neighbor this morning, maybe some of your family, friends, people across the aisle, even who you would describe as perhaps the most spiritually important person in your life, maybe a role model, the fact is, is that they are fallen. What do you call Hebrews chapter 11? What, what do we call that? The faith chapter, right? It's kind of like a, 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 an idea of all these people that had all this great faith. Well, I was doing some digging and reading, and one pastor said, yeah, instead of the, calling it the faith chapter, it, it should be called God loves fixer-uppers. <laughs> because in every case... Those people are fallen, but God still chooses to use them by faith. And one of the greatest examples is Rahab in chapter uh, 11, verse 31. A Canaanite woman, so she's from the wrong side of the tracks. She's a harlot, a prostitute, gives herself to men. But she ended up, by faith, helping the spies. And what's great is, as you fast forward, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, we see that Rahab is in the line, in the lineage of Jesus. The Holy Spirit went out of his way to pick people that were fallen, that were hurting, that were weak, 
And God used Rahab in a powerful way and ended up that she was in the line of Jesus. So the question is, where are you today? The encouragement this morning is that we would come to the Lord, take off our sandals, no more cover-up. We understand that God is drawn to our weakness, but we must honestly present our weakness to Him. On Wednesday night, I, I gave a little sheet and, uh, with some terms on it, brokenness and vulnerability and surrender. And I asked many of you to fill out, you know, what are some things that kind of come to your mind um, when you think of some of these terms in regards to a supernatural God? And I appreciate many of you guys uh, participated in that. And what I saw is just a common thread is that, that when we are broken, when we are vulnerable, when we surrender ourselves to the Lord, it leads us to supernatural activity in our lives where God can use us in powerful ways. In Psalm chapter uh, 51, I believe it is, it says that God, he uses a broken and a contrite spirit. And this morning, we could sit here and we could say, well, I've got all of God that I need or all of God that I want. And we could kind of just go through the motions. Or we could say, God, I need more of you. And if that's the case, I need to be open and vulnerable and broken before you. A broken and a contrite spirit is what God responds to. And I want to challenge us as a body of believers that as we grow, we need to be a body of believers that embrace each other's weaknesses. Not that we expose them and uh, you know, throw people under the bus and say, you know, look at this adulterer or look at this you know, guy he with his anger or whatever the case might be, but that we love each other, that our issues are that we bring those to the Lord and we walk together and experience what God has for us, letting a supernatural God take over in our lives. Again, I don't want my life to be marked without the Holy Spirit's evidence in my life. And if that's going to happen, I've got to be continually broken, surrendered to the Lord. And I'm going to ask that you would join me this morning in that pursuit, that we would not be satisfied with where we are, that we wouldn't be, you know, look on and say, okay, well, um, you know, you know, if I go any further, it gets a little risky. Yeah, it does. We, we give our hearts to the Lord. We hunger and thirst for Him. And we come back to that 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, what is it that God uses? He says, my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Eric, I'm going to ask that you come back and uh, just, you know, uh, create, uh, just play something beautiful like you will. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And I want you to just to take a real hard look at where you are with the Lord today. And I talk about a barometer 
measuring how hungry you are to change. This morning, are you hungry to change? Are you hungry to be used by God? Is the Holy Spirit pricking your heart this morning, saying, yep, come to me even in all your weakness? I sure hope so. This morning, if you're away from God, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Him. And you may be here for the first time or may have been here multiple times. If you're away from the Lord, this is a chance for you to respond, to come to Him and to accept Him as your Savior. And so with your eyes closed and your head bowed, uh, no one looking around just for some privacy here, Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God, and I need Jesus to save me this morning? Yeah. A couple up front. Anybody else saying, yep, that's me? Saying, yep, I need to come in a relationship with God to give my heart to Him. Because that's where it starts, is surrendering our lives, saying, God, okay, you're in control now, giving over control. Anyone else saying, yep, that's me. I'm looking on my right, your left, in this section over here. Anyone that needs to get their heart right with the Lord? How about in the center section, anyone else? Yep, saying, that's me. And on my left, your right now. All right. For the sake of the couple that, that, re, that responded, could, we, could I lead you in a prayer, a miracle prayer? That uh, it's not the words of the prayer that are magical, but it's believing the words in our heart that saves us. And could we do that together? Would you respond in that way? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life and forgive me for all my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and that you live and rule. And now you live in my heart. You are welcome in my spirit. Help me to live for you and to surrender my life in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, God is moving. He's helping us. And you know what? He wants to continue to uh, to help us. And you know, when we get saved, that's when the process of sanctification starts. You understand that? That we move along the spiritual map until the Lord either returns for us or we die. We want to continue to grow. And part of that growing is hungering and thirsting for God. And so I kind of asked earlier this morning, does anyone have issues? Anybody have uh, problems or things in your life that you would look at your life and say, you know, if it was up to me, I would eliminate myself from, uh, from being used by God. And I'm just wondering how many would say, yep, that's, that's me. Uh, there's, there are things, uh, past, present, things in my life that is just like, okay, God, you know, really, would you use me? And what God wants to just speak to your hearts this morning is that he is not concerned with your past. He's concerned with your today. Surrendering to him coming to Him in brokenness and allowing Him to move through you. 
If you are hungry for God and hungry to change into who God wants you to be, I want you just to stand where you are. And I want us just to worship the Lord this morning. And I want you to come to God. And you may want to even come out uh, and, and spend some time in the altar here this morning. But addressing your weakness, bringing your weakness to God. Because God is not only drawn to your weakness, we need to honestly present our weaknesses to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning broken, in need of a Savior to continue to strengthen us, to continue to move in our lives. And God, I just pray, Lord, that in these moments, Lord, that we would surrender. We would come to you in vulnerability. And God, we would just ask that you would move in our lives. Take our weakness. And in our weakness, you are strong. And Lord, we embrace you and in your supernatural nature. And Lord, we desire to be used and to be moved by you. And help us, Lord, to understand exactly what you're doing in our lives and how you want to use us. Brokenness, vulnerability, surrender. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 My heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Let's all stand. Let's sing this together. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. Let's sing that again, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Lord, change us from the inside out, God. Open the eyes of my heart.
see you. I want you just to, in the next moment, just to pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal to you personally His desire to use you in supernatural ways. To use you as a witness this week to invite friends and neighbors and family members that are away from the Lord to church next Sunday. To use you to stand up for righteousness in your school. To use you to make a difference in your work wherever you go. For Him to use you in your family to make a difference. A supernatural difference. And again, that comes from a broken and a contrite spirit. Lord, help us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give God some glory and praise. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.